there. The definition of total commitment, according to Webster's Dictionary, is as follows. A promise to be totally loyal to someone or something. I think that you would agree that, unfortunately, in the day in which we live, that kind of commitment is conspicuously absent on multiple levels in our culture. Uh, Employees are not committed to their jobs like they once used to be. Family members are not committed to each other. Husbands and wives are not committed to each other like they used to be. Some would say that there are a lot of people who aren't committed to our country like they once were. A lot of people have not even been, believe it or not, not committed to their New Year's resolutions. They just made a few weeks ago. How many made a New Year's resolution this year? Did you do that? Some of you, a few of you? Well, if you did, you've probably already dropped it. (laughs) After one week, the percentage goes down from 100 to 75%. So you lose 25% of the people making their commitments the first week. After two weeks, down to 71%. After one month, down to 64%. And after six months, down to 46%. So today, and they even have a word for it, there's not even commitment amongst people who are dating one another. And the word is ghosted. Have you ever heard of that? Ghosting occurs when you're dating someone for a number of weeks or months and you have some special times together and you really think you're getting close, you really think you have a great relationship going and then all of a sudden one person just completely disappears. They vanish into thin air. It's called ghosting. I don't know if you've ever got ghosted or not. I hope that you have never had to experience that. But my thought was in reading that article this week, I wonder, have you ever ghosted God? Have you ever been, thought you were close to him and committed to him? And then all of a sudden, everything changes. You're just not there anymore. I've seen it. I don't know if you have. Have you ever seen it in churches? I have. I've seen people who come, they get saved, they get excited, and everything, they get baptized, and they can't do enough for God, and they're hungry for his word, and they're reading, and they're praying, and they're talking to people about Jesus, and they get involved in ministry. And for a long, quite a while, it seems to happen And they're excited about it, but time passes and they disappear. They vanish into thin air. They've ghosted God. See, that can happen. I've seen people who once teach Sunday school or in junior church, sang in the choir, leaders in the church who don't even go to church anymore. See, our annual theme this year in 2022 is total commitment. I believe it's a good subject for us for this reason because I think the pandemic has already taught us a lot about our total commitment. It doesn't just, it doesn't just reveal it, it tests it. It tests it. Where are we in our commitment with God? So I have to ask you the question right off the bat. Are you totally committed to God? Now before you answer, because most people will say, yes, I really think I am. Before you do, let me illustrate what total commitment means. There was a pig and a chicken walking down the road. And the chicken looked over at the pig and said, Hey, pig, I have a good idea. I think we should open a restaurant together. And the pig went, Hmm, maybe. What do you want to call it? And the chicken responds, Well, how about ham and eggs? The pig goes, Nah. He goes, I'd be committed, but you'd only be involved. Because if you have a breakfast, 
and you're the pig, ham means commitment, right? So you can be committed to God. See, it's possible to be committed to Faith Baptist Church. It's also possible to come week after week and just be involved. You just come and you kind of sit here and you're part of it, but you're not really committed. See, are you involved or committed this year to God and to Faith Baptist Church? Pastor Walker, how would I know that? I mean, how would I know if I'm committed to God? How would I be able to measure it? Well, let, let me tell you, I think there's really two approaches, two options, if I can say it that way. And one is I call it the list, list level commitment. It's the outside in approach to being committed to God. And it looks like this. It's kind of like a spiritual checklist that you have. And you have some boxes on your spiritual list and you check them off. And that's how you measure whether you're committed to God. See, I, you'd say, Pastor Walker, I read my Bible on a pretty regular basis. And I pray. And I, I, I'm here at the service this morning, right? I, I come to church. Maybe not as often as I should, but I'm here at church and I do some service occasionally from time to time. And, you know, once in a probably great while, I witness to people and I do try to give money to God. And, and, and so you have a list and, and you feel better about the level of commitment you're at. The more boxes that you can check off, the better you feel about it. But I've come to the conclusion over the years I read the Bible and watch people that all committed people, all committed people check the boxes. But not all people who check the boxes are committed. See, that's not the option that God wants. He doesn't want the list-level commitment from you. He has another option, and I want to share it with you this morning as our, part of our Vision Sunday. It's what I call likeness-level commitment. See, the other is an outside-in approach. This is an inside-out approach. So let me say it to you very succinctly, and I want you to get this, so please listen. In fact, I'd encourage you to write it down because we're going to express it and go over it all year long from time to time. Total commitment to Jesus is total conformity to Jesus. Let me say it again to you. Total commitment to Jesus is total conformity to Jesus. See, this is not about a list. It's about likeness. It's not about working from the outside in with primarily emphasizing what I do it's working from the inside out. It's being something first and then letting the doing follow that. See, the list, all the things I check off, see, it's not the end in and of itself. It's a means to an end, meaning this. So my Bible reading and my prayer and my holiness and my church attendance and my witnessing and my serving in ministry, you know what they are? Those are all means to the end. They are things that God uses in my life to achieve the goal. And the goal is Christ-likeness. The goal is being like Jesus. See, the word Christian, which was used of pagans to describe believers in the book of Acts, the word Christian literally means little Christ. That's the goal of being a believer, to be a little Christ, to be a small microcosm or an example of what Jesus is all about. Let me ask you, is that you? When people at your job look at you and the way that you respond to your boss and when things go your way, is that what they see? Do they see Jesus? When you're at school and you're a teenager and you know what, you didn't get the grade you want or things didn't go right, how do they see you in the language that you use? Are you just like everybody else? Or is there a difference in the way that you live your life at school? 
See, every one of us here this morning, every single one of us need a little what I call TLC, not tender loving care, but total life commitment. Total life commitment, or you could say it this way, total life conformity, because both of them are absolutely necessary. In fact, I would tell you from Scripture, and I hope to prove it this morning, that they are one and the same. So let me show you from the passage that we turn to in Philippians 2, I want to show you just two things this morning. Number one, I want to show you the pattern for your conformity and commitment. And I want to show you the prototype, and I want to show Jesus as the pattern and Epaphroditus as the prototype about how we can live it out daily. So let's take them and un- unpack them one at a time. First one, verses two, chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, Jesus is the pattern for total commitment. Now listen, it's absolutely crucial that you get this because we need a pattern Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, if you could put them on side by side, 2, 1 through 4, and 5, 2, 5 through 8, have very similar words in them. And let me tell you why that's important. Because what he's going to ask of them in 2, 1 through 4 is a commitment out of their love for God to love each other, church. Right? So if we're going to have a church that excels in, by the Spirit of God, loving God supremely and others sacrificially, which is our credo, right? In other words, if we're going to be committed to that, we have to be able to have a pattern of how that looks when it's done rightly. And so in chapter 2, 1 through 4, and chapter 2, 5 through 8, these words are in common. In Christ, 2, 1. In Christ, 2, 5. Let this mind, chapter 2, verse 2. Let this mind, chapter 2, verse 5. Count, verse two, chapter 2, verse 3. Count, chapter 2, verse 6. And why are those verbs and those phrases repeated? Because here's the message Paul has for the Philippians. If you want to love God rightly and overflow with that love into the lives of others, you have to follow the model and pattern that Jesus has set. See, we need a pattern. We need someone to look to. We need to know how to do total commitment. Uh, yesterday, I think it was, on Saturday, right? We put together, Lance and I, Junior, put together a ping pong table. And so he came, I came over to the house, and we, you know how you do, you get this big box, you put the two pieces out there, and then all these little bags of stuff, right? All these little bags, all these little screws and bolts and stuff like that. And if you know me, <laughs> not exactly mechanical, I'll say it that way. All right, so you have all the bags out there, and then they give you, you may have experienced this, they give you this little paper like this, and you unfold it, and you go, this is the directions, right? And so you unfold it, and it gives you diagrams and pictures and shows you, it's like, yeah, and it, you are stupid, so watch this, see? A, look at the A, <laughs> right? This is the, and then B, and take this and put it, no, 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 no dummy, this over here. So you, you go through all these, and they got pictures of it, and then they show you the finished product. Have you ever done something put together, and there's like 14 things still on the floor that you haven't found these on there? And you might get to the place, see, you might get to the place where you say, ah, why do I even use the directions? I don't need the directions. They're not any good anyways. Wrong. You need the directions. So we follow the directions, and it said on there, if you do this, it shouldn't take you more than 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> okay, that's definitely discouraging. It took us about an hour and 15 minutes, and we got it together. So we finally got together. But you might say, if you want to admit it in church this morning, how many of you say, I don't really ever even look at the directions? I don't need the directions. 
Yes, some of you are. See, that's why you need this sermon. (laughs) Right? We need the, see, you know what Philippians 2, 5 through 8? It's the directions for what it means to be totally conformed to Jesus. Totally like him. Totally committed to him. We need the direction. And then, and then I found out this. Even if I knew what I was doing, I still wouldn't have been able to put it together, listen, by myself. It was a ping pong table. And they had big, two big pieces and the legs you had to put. And then you had to have certain things. And they had these little clasps. And you, I couldn't have held it all together and tightened this and held it and tied it. I couldn't have done all that by myself. It took both of us. You know what Paul says? Look at this. 2-5. This is your mindset. The mindset is yours among yourselves, he says in 2.5. See, we all need TLC. We do. We all need it. And let me tell you this. Can I say it flat out? Listen, we can't be Christ-like individually or corporately without each other. That's why we have small groups after church this morning. Why? It's not just another religious elected that you can come and get another Bible. That's not the point. The point is we're building a community. What's our def- we are building a community of disciples who glorify God. See, disciples follow the master and want more than anything else to be like him. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have D groups. That's why we get some really concentrated areas where you get some accountability, where people are pushing you because someone's been pushing them to be more and more like Jesus. We can't do it without... See, conformity is a community project. And Paul says to the Philippians, if you want to love God like, like Jesus loved God, and you want to love people like Jesus loved people, you need him vertically, and you need each other horizontally, and we need to do it together. So let me ask you, if that's true, and it is, how does Jesus' life give us a pattern of total commitment in these verses? Just two things, let me show you. Total commitment, according to the pattern of Jesus, means this. It means total humility. If you want to be able to love God and love others like he wants us to, if you want to really be totally committed and therefore totally conformed to Jesus, you're going to have to have this trait. Humility. Total commitment means total, com- total humility. And let me show you in verses 6 and 7. It says, although he was in, watch, same word, in the form of God. And then later on it says, he took the form of a servant. Literally in the Greek, doulos, it's slave. So here's Jesus, as high as you can be. He is God, very God, equal to God the Father. He is in the form of God, but he comes all the way down here to be the form of a slave. Now, in between it says, he took on the likeness of men. So here's what humility is. It is downward mobility. It is coming from here to here, and from here to here. See, in our world, right? In our world, when you want to be great, or when you're totally committed to something, you expect to move up. So if you work really hard at being good at something, you expect greater success. 
If you give hours to something and money and time to something and you're really, really obsessed and you're committed to it, if you're committed to having a certain shape and muscles and, and be in shape in your diet and your exercise and you really put money in a gym membership and you do all that stuff, you know what you're expecting? You're expecting greater success. You expect results. You expect to move up. You, and people expect in our day in which we live, they expect greater position, greater popularity. Great, if you have a great voice, you expect to be heard and you expect people to love it and you become, your name everywhere and you become famous. And See, that's the expectation. But in Christianity, total commitment is not a move up. It is a move down. And Jesus says, see, if you want to really be, you want to measure your total commitment to me, what is the trajectory and the direction of your life? Is your life built around everything and everyone that can move you this way or move you this way? In the form of God, likeness of men, form of a slave. See, that's total commitment. That's what it means. Totally committed, totally downward. Totally conformed, totally humble. And I have found personally in my own life, and I think you'd agree, the most difficult part of total commitment is the total part. <laughs> Isn't it? Because every one of us would probably say, without a doubt, if you're a Christian, that you're committed to some level this morning. But I have found in a lot of people's lives that we prefer partial over total. We prefer selective over total. We prefer a commitment that's better described by convenient and comfortable. No one's going to argue with me this morning if I stood up here. Here's our theme for this year. Little commitment. Pastor Walker, that is awesome because I'm already there, right? <laughs> yeah, we don't mind a little commitment. Just like we don't, I don't mind a little humility, do you? I'm okay with a little humility. Give me a little bit. How about a little bit of downward mobility? Hey, okay, I'll work in the nursery once in a while. All right, if I got to change a couple diapers, so be it. Right? I, I, I'll, come, I'll come to the work day. You know, I'll wear my grubs, even though they're perfect condition because they don't normally get used. But hey, I'm going to work a little bit. Help the homeless. Yep, I'll do that once a year if you have an event. Shovel somebody's snow. Yeah, I can handle that. But to live a life of humility, a lifestyle of it, not a partial or convenient commitment to getting low and being humble. See, we like the partial, we like the convenient, we like if it's comfortable. If it doesn't move us out of our comfort zone, if it doesn't interrupt our schedule, and we don't have to change our to-do list too much, we might consider it. We might. But for Jesus, it says, he humbled himself, chapter 2, verse 8. He humbled himself. But what is humility for? It's just not being pious so that people can think, oh, what a servant you are. No, look what the Bible says. He humbled himself, watch, and became obedient. You know what the downward mobility is for? You know what the humility is all about? It's about Total obedience, because that's the other thing. Total commitment is total humility. Total commitment is total obedience. Total obedience. And that's why the verb, the be verb, becoming, he became obedient. Now, does that mean that Jesus went from disobedience to obedience? No. He was the perfect, sinless son of God. 
Hebrews 5, 8 says this of Jesus. He learned, although he was a son, he learned obedience. Same word, hupokuo, to listen under. He got under the authority of the words of his father and became obedient. Whatever God the Father asked God the Son, he says, ask it, I'll do it. And throughout his life, here's what marked Jesus, different levels of obedience. He did not go from disobedience to obedience. He went from this level of obedience to this level of obedience to this level of obedience. He came more and more, and the more it cost him to obey, the more it, it cost him, the more he was willing to do it. See, that's Jesus. It wasn't just a list of check boxes for Jesus. Okay, did this miracle, did this, did this, did this. Oh, cross is next. No. It was conformity to the Father's will. Psalm 40 and verse 8 is a prophecy of Jesus, which he himself quotes, I, I delight to do thy will, O God, in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will. It was his greatest. I, John 8, 29, I always do those things that please him. See, that's total conformity. That's total conformity. And it isn't easy, is it? total conformity. We're going to have the Olympics coming up pretty soon. And for my wife, more than me, but it is interesting to watch figure skating. And what I found about figure skating over the years is that I like it way too much when they fall, but that's a different story, but nevertheless. <laughs> um, I have found that when you watch figure skating, right, they have difficulty ratings. So they're going to do this Triple sow cow or sick cow or something. You, you, you jump three times, spin around, and then you land a certain way. Or they have a quadruple one, and you flip this way, and they have all these weird names for it and all this. But the more you do, like all the difficult, they're difficult, and you get 3.5 or some rating system for it. Because the more difficulty you have in what you do, the higher score that you can get. Right? See, that's what Jesus is saying. He humbled himself and became obedient, more and more obedient. And the level of difficulty for that obedience that Jesus did to the Father's will became higher and higher and higher until the Bible says he came to the ultimate difficult rating. And it was the cross, see, the cross. Can I say to you this morning, there is no commitment without conformity and there is no conformity without a cross. He became obedient, and here's the question every one of us have to ask before you can say whether you're committed. In fact, you have to ask it every day. How far will you go? Well, he answers us. He became obedient unto death. Mikri thanatu is the Greek word. And in it, you have to ask these two diagnostic questions. What would you be willing to totally live for? I mean totally live for. I mean obsessed with. Sleep it. 
When you're awake, you think of it. You eat it, you drink it. It's all that you can possibly think about all the time. It totally, totally takes over your life, your wallet, your priorities, your calendar, your relationship. See, that's what Jesus says. Here's what he says. See, what would you totally live for? Because without that, you can never answer the second question is, what would you be willing to totally die for? And everybody wants to think, oh, you know, someday, if I'm ever confronted with a choice, I would die for Jesus. And I would say, not if you're not living for him, you never will. Total commitment is answered, answering Jesus to both questions. I would totally live for him, and therefore I would totally die for him. And we have this expectation that we're not totally living for him, but somehow we'd muster up the grace and strength to die for him if necessary. Can I tell you, it's totally wrong. Total commitment to God has to decide every day, how far will I go to be obedient to what I know the Bible says? And here's what Jesus says. I would take it this far unto death. There can be no sacrificial dying unless there is first sacrificial living. There is no obedience unto death until there is first obedience unto life. But he doesn't just say unto death. Do you see the last little bit? Three Greek words. Even. Even death on a cross. So he's not just saying, I would die. I would die, Jesus says, to do the Father's will. Oh, it's even more than that. It's another question. How would you be willing to die? Death on a cross. That, my friends, is radical. Extreme some would say over the top, crazy, lunacy. You would do that. Do you understand what a cross death was? You were scourged first with numerous, probably 40 lashes with, a flat, with being, uh, you know, flagellum is the Latin word, but they have a whip that comes around your body and they're professionals at it. It has little bits of rock and glass and bone embedded in the strips of leather which take hold of your skin on one side because it comes from this way. It grabs and then rips back across this way. And Jews had a limit of 39 because most people would die from that. There was no Roman limitation. We don't know probably 40, 40, 40 plus of those Jesus had before he was ever crucified. And that's why Isaiah says, he was, his visage, your face was so marred that we could not even recognize him. There is no beauty that we would desire him. He was ripped to shreds. That's total commitment, see. Not, not just the physical, because you get your nails pierced, your hands right here, probably in your wrists, so that you can grab them and pull up, because the greatest death was asphyxiation on a cross. Most people died of, they couldn't breathe. Their, their foot on the one is, is nailed through both feet at the top, pushed, and they give you a little wooden bench on it called a sedile, and you would sit on it, and your leg would push up on top of the other one, and you'd have your cross, and you'd grab the nails, which it was wrenching pain, and you'd pull up, and when they dropped your cross into the hole, he says, all my bones were out of joint. Do you know how much pain that is? And can I tell you, that is not what is emphatic in the Gospels. They do not spend a lot of time talking about the physical part of it. There was a social part of it too. Did you know that you were crucified naked? And that because of the unbelievable stress on your body, 
that you could not control your bodily functions and you would go to the bathroom in public in front of everyone and he was on a major thoroughfare outside of the city where everybody walked by and he was on a cross that would probably wasn't much higher than this pulpit would have been with his feet. So he's very, very visible right there in front of you. People could actually spit on him and they did. The social ramifications of being the son of God, the king of Israel, naked and ashamed in front of everybody was far more than you could possibly grasp. Emotionally, can you imagine? His mom is there. At least from a distance, other women are there. He's being mocked by everybody. See, total commitment. We all have thresholds, don't we? Commitment, I call it commitment threshold. You know what that is? I go this far, but I won't go any further. You have it. We all do. If you're in a marriage, you might say this, I love you, but if you're ever unfaithful to me, we're over. We're done. Some people would say that. You have a friendship, and you say, we're great friends, and I'm committed, but you treat me like that, you, talk, you do that to me, I'm not a friend of yours anymore. Your job, your job, I worked very hard, I, I did all this, and, and I deserve the promotion, right? I, I should be advancing. I know this is all about office politics. I'm done working here. Church, see, if the church doesn't make much of me, and they don't notice me, and they don't do all this for me, see, I'll find another church that'll make me the center of everything. See, we have commitment thresholds, don't we? See, but Jesus says this, when it comes to our commitment to God, there is none Obedient unto death, even, listen to this, even a cross death, as awful and as shameful and as painful and agonizing, and I haven't talked about the spiritual part yet, about being forsaken by his father, the infinite hell and pain he took for you and I and our sins. See, see, when you listen to that, even death on a cross, it's at once encouraging and at the same time embarrassing. It's encouraging that Jesus would say, I'd be so committed to paying for your sins, I would even do this for you. And I look at that and I say, oh, Master, that is unbelievable. I'm so encouraged by that level and that depth of commitment and love for me. But you know, at the same time, it's completely embarrassing that he would be so committed to die for me, but I'm not committed at all to live for him. See, the cross is where I see how committed he is to me. But at the same time, the cross is where I see how uncommitted to him I can be. I've come to the conclusion in my life, which I'm working on, my until is not his. <laughs> my until is not his until. Until death, even across death. See, he'd say this, his until of commitment was a death, even a cross death. For some of God's people, it's un it would read this way, until cold outside, really cold. He is committed unto death, even a cross death. For some of us, it's till I'm tired. I mean, really tired. He is unto death, cross death, and some of us until football season, even the Super Bowl. He is until death, cross death, and we are until homework. I mean final exams. Until death, cross death, and some of us until summer, even the shore is available. See, see, that's where we are, some of us. See, that's why we need a pattern, see. To be totally committed, which is measured by total conformity, 
We need a picture, and Jesus provides it in detail. He is the perfect pattern of total commitment. But you'd say, Pastor Walker, okay, I get it. But let me just give you a clue. I'm not Jesus, right? I'm not. So if you expect me to be like that, see, let me tell you this this morning. No one's asking you to be Jesus. But God is asking you to be like him. You hear that? And that's why I put in Epaphroditus in 225 through 30. In that passage, those five verses, there are two things about Epaphroditus that are only only talked about in the same language for Jesus. Let me show them to you. Chapter 2 and verse 26 says, he was distressed. He was distressed because he had been ill and they had been worrying about him and he didn't want to cause them any problems. He was distressed. You know, the only other two times in the New Testament that that word distress is used is in Matthew's gospel and in Mark's gospel and both of them are talking about Jesus under his trials. He was so distressed. See, Epaphroditus was like Jesus. He was like Jesus. His total commitment, and you're going to see it in a minute and we'll be done, his total commitment was born out of a total conformity to Jesus. He was like him. He was distressed like Jesus. But here's the question that he had to ask and what you have to ask, and if you're going to be totally committed, you're going to have to ask it every day from this point on. Here's what he says. How far will I be distressed for these people? How hard will I work for Christ? How serious will I take it? How much of it will control me? What will it do to my life? Verse 27 says he was near to death. And then, I believe purposely, and I'll tell you why, in chapter 2 and verse 30, it reads this, for he nearly died. It is, remember I said, mekri thanatu, unto death. The exact wordings of Jesus, he was obedient how far? Unto death. What did Epaphras do? He worked for Christ unto the point of death. The only two times in the entire Bible those two words and that phrase are put together. One is Jesus and the other is Epaphroditus. You know why? Because Jesus knows this. We need a perfect pattern, but we also need a progressive pattern. You know what I mean? Epaphroditus is not Jesus. He's not even Paul. But here's what he says. The guy lives like me hear me. And he does it in his local church in Philippi. He does it when he's not the greatest. He's not Paul. He's not Jesus. He's not any of those things. He didn't write any New Testament books. He didn't do anything that's really great and memorable other than the fact that when people saw him and the way that he loved people and served in his local church, they saw Jesus. See? The only other mention of Epaphroditus in this epistle is chapter 4 and verse 18 when he takes an offering which is described as a sacrifice and a sweet-smelling aroma to God. He brings the money that the Philippians couldn't do. He brings it to Paul to help him out. Listen, he was a messenger. That's not an apostle. That's not winning thousands of souls. It's not anything quote-unquote stupendous. And can I say to you and I, and neither will most of the things that you and I do. Teaching a Sunday school class, serving in choir, being in a small group, being an usher, working in the nursery, doing the things that we do, right? See, it may not be famous and people might not know our name, but the goal of all of it is to be like Jesus, to be totally committed because we are totally conformed to who he is
That's what Epaphroditus was all about. But see, Paul mentions these things. 2.25, look, at there's brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, messenger, minister. You know what? He could say, oh, see, there you go. List, list level. Check it off. Okay, he said I'm a brother. That's good. Fellow worker, let me check that off. Fellow soldier, check that off. Messenger, check, minister. See, I got them all checked. See, look, I do these things. I take offerings for Paul. I go places for him. I do stuff. I care about people. See, see, I must be a really good Christian. No, you know what really is those things are all about? Those identity markers? Because this is what it means when it looks like you're Jesus Christ. So are you totally committed? Let me ask you again. Pig or chicken? Every one of us need a little TLC at Faith Baptist Church. And I'm so glad if you read your Bible and pray and come to the services. I hope you come to all the services because committed people do. They'd be here tonight. They'd be in a small group, I believe. I think they'd be serving and doing and giving. I think they'd be doing all those things, but not because those things are the end, but because those things are expression of my greatest passion and desire is that is to be conformed to Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do in 2022. That's what we want to be all about this year. We want to have individuals and a church body, an army of believers whose greatest ambition and goal in life is to be like Jesus and when that happens, when that happens, we can turn the world upside down like the book of Acts for the sake of the gospel. Are you committed? No. Are you totally committed to Jesus? Let's pray. In just a moment, we're going to conclude our service with a song before we go to small groups. Take my life, oh, oh, to be like thee, I should say. Oh, to be like thee. Oh, see the oh? It's an emotional word. Is that your passion? Are you obsessed with it? Is it what you think of all the time? Is it why you do the things you do? Is it why your kids are in sports and go to the school they do because you want to be like Jesus? Is it why you have the job and consider what you do and what you do with your money, your time, your plans, your counter, because that's what I'm after, Jesus. I want to be like him. Would there be someone here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed and say, Pastor Walker, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but I'd have to say this morning, if you measure it by total conformity, I'm not total committed. Now, of course, if you measure it that way, none of us would be totally, not in this life, but you'd say this, Pastor Walker, I'll have to say, my trajectory, the way my life is progression, progressing, I'm not going the right way. I need to consider total conformity. That's the measure. And I want to be more like Jesus. I'm not, and there's some things that need to change. That may mean taking them out of my life, and it may be that some things need to be added back into my life. I used to be more totally committed, Pastor Walker, but now I'm a pew sitter. Now I just come. Would you say, Pastor Walker, with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's my prayer, here's my hand. Pray for me. This year, in 2022, I want to move in the progression and trajectory of total conformity so I can be totally committed to Jesus. Would you raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Many hands, balcony, main floor. Just keep them up for a moment. 
Thank you. Th- this year, I want to do it. Not like a New Year's resolution. I'm not going to be the percentage that in the weeks forget. And we're going to devise things. We're going to tell you how we're going to help you stay committed this year. But Pastor Warren, let me start with this. Here's my hand. I want to be totally conformed so I can be totally committed. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you have seen hands. And as I often say, you've also seen hearts. Father, I, I, my prayer would be many more. I would have loved to see everyone raise their hand. But Lord, sometimes we're, we, we're more satisfied with the partial, convenient, selective commitments. Help us, stir us, move us off that spot. Help us not just to be involved, but committed. Committed to you above all else. Nothing less, nothing less. And we'll praise you for that. And I pray for those who raise their hand, God, that that would be a stirring of their hearts that would continue throughout this year. That when they look back in 2022, should you tarry your coming and give us life, they would say, wow, what a difference and change that God has made in me. And may we rejoice together in that commitment that you have worked in our hearts. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand here?